So welcome to the last week of the 12th year. Six more days to be, I think. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Six days. And then we'll be entering into, uh, I'll be finishing our 12th year on the seventh day. So it's a good time to maybe, I don't know, maybe go on a fast if uh, God is leading you so that we can prepare ourselves as a church even as we enter into the 12th year. 13th year, sorry. 13th year. God has been good. Um, exciting times, exciting days ahead, spiritually. So, what's your plan? Is a question. Okay. So, I'm going to title today's message as, what's your plan? Okay. Um, turn with me to Ruth, the book of Ruth, chapter 1, verses 16 to 18. And before we go there, let's pray. <laughs> Father, we just thank you, Father, for this morning, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your kindness in our lives. Jesus, we worship you. Lord, this morning, even as we're here in your presence, oh Lord, we just want to thank you for your faithfulness all these days. Lord, of the lockdown, 66 days of the lockdown, O oh Lord, that you have been faithful to us as a church. You have fed us every day with your word, with your living word. And Lord, that you granted us the grace, O oh Lord, to feast from your table. Lord, we just thank you. Thank you, thank you that we never went hungry. Lord, even, even physically and spiritually, Lord, we never felt, never went hungry, O oh Lord. You were faithful. And you proved yourself faithful to us over and over again. And therefore this morning we just want to confess that you and you alone are God and there is none other. This morning we want to exalt your holy name. We want to exalt your word. Father, we want to exalt the name of Jesus. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Hallowed be your name. This morning, that is our prayer. And even as, even as we meditate upon your word, I pray Lord Jesus, Lord, that our... That our lives will become even more uh, steadfast in our pursuit of you. That Lord, that we will be unwavering in our pursuit of you, Lord. That we will truly, truly set aside every weight and sin that so easily besets us. And we will run with endurance the race that is set before us this morning. To that end, I pray that even as we meditate upon upon your word, I pray, Lord, that you would strengthen our determination and our resolve. And enable us to finish what you have started in our lives. By the power of the Holy Spirit, for it is not by might, not by power, but by my strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. That's what your word says. And therefore, we are dependent upon your spirit and upon your work in our, upon the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Therefore, Lord, Father, anoint us to hear and to obey and fill us with your spirit, even as we, uh, Father, receive your word by faith. We thank you. We praise you for in Jesus' name. Amen. Ruth's Gospel, <laughs> chapter 1, verse 16 onwards. But Ruth said, to whom? To Naomi. Okay, that's very important, significant. Ruth said to Naomi, entreat me not to leave you or to turn back from following after you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people. Your God my God, where you die, I will die. And there will, and there will I be buried 
the Lord do so to me and more also if anything but death parts you and me. And verse 18 is what I want us to look at. When she saw that she was determined to go with her, she stopped persuading her not to follow. <laughs> Remarkable, isn't it? So what's your plan? Is a question. I'll tell you what, why I've, why I've titled today's teaching as what's your plan? That word determined is something which struck me like anything, no? Determined. If there be first a willing mind. Okay. If you are willing and obedient. It says, Daniel purposed in his heart. These are all, these are all synonyms for determination. It's called holy, spiritual, humble determination. This is humble determination. Who are you going with? A person who has no future, apparently. But what did you see in her? You just saw the God in her. God in her, which was actually witnessed in such a pathetic way, if you will, that notwithstanding the fact that the witness in herself was so weak, still she saw the God in Naomi and she went hard after that God. So, if Ruth can follow Naomi, how much more you and I is a question. Okay. Now, when I was um, um, br- something was brought to my attention. Okay, when I was listening to somebody, First uh, Corinthians chapter two, these words. That's the reason why I just wanted us to, wanted us to look at this verse. First Corinthians chapter two. Can we can we read from verses one and two? Just one and two, okay? And I, brothers, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of Jesus. And then, for I determined to know nothing or anything among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. It's that that holy, humble determination that Set apart Apostle Paul from the rest of the gang. And from his rest of his peers. So, sorry, Apostles ek taraf, Paul ek taraf. One born out of time. You see, it's a remarkable uh, thing about uh, when um, uh, Dr. Ravi Zacharias was actually speaking at uh, Nabil Qureshi's uh, uh, funeral service, or rather memorial service if I'm right. You know, one of the first thing he talks about Nabil is, is Nabil was abnormally born. <laughs> abnormally born. Just like Apostle Paul. Abnormally born. <laughs> born into the kingdom. For I determined. You know, that's that word which just came out of the page of the Bible and just struck me. And I determined to know nothing except Christ and Him crucified. You know why? Because our mind, if you allow it to be occupied with anything else, it will easily be occupied with interesting things. Even if it is a Bible. No. As long as it occupies us, we'll be interested. Politics will interest us. Trump will interest us. Okay. So many things will interest us. Hmm? So, but what was the secret of Apostle Paul? This singular determination to know nothing. It was a act of absolute discipline and will to know nothing apart from Christ and Him 
crucified. That was the reason, I believe, for his success as a apostle. We may not be at that level. But do we have a plan B? No. I hope so. That's the reason I asked you, what's your uh, what's your plan? <laughs> what's your plan, your buddy brothers here? Do we have plan B? If this is not your plan, what is your plan? I also, if you have another plan, so let us discuss that. I think if you have a better plan, please let me know. I will humble myself and sit at your feet and learn. Let us look at <laughs> Apostle Paul's life. Now, what is that secret of this man? Okay. This is what I want to do. What is the secret of the, of the, of the Apostle Paul and his success as a Christian? Not as a minister of the, or an apostle or anything. What was that attitude that kept him absolutely focused on that straight and narrow path and gave him that assurance that he was right on that track? Even when everyone forsook him, even his close associates had, associates and aides forsook him and left him. What was that one singular, what was that, what were those Quint, what are the not quintessential? What are those attitudes in Apostle Paul, which kept him on that straight and narrow path? See, we need to, um, when we are discussing these things, don't misunderstand me. No, we may not be at that at that level. For sure, we are not. If you read this man's life, we are not at that level. But at least, our aim should be. Our objective should be. Otherwise, we'll be beating the air. We don't, if we, if we don't know what is possible by grace, then what will we, what will we be pursuing? You understand what I'm saying? See, um, different things interest different people at different points of their lives. I was listening to Chetan Bhagat. How many of you know Chetan Bhagat? Okay, on, oh, yes, of course. Of course, I, yeah, I know you will know. Uh, that is a Russian. <laughs> Chetan Bhagat, uh, I'm, I'm sure our uh, brothers from uh, Nigeria would not know. Chetan Bhagat is a great Indian author. Okay. Great Indian author. Great Indian author. <laughs> okay. Uh, of course, the, the elitists don't like him for whatever reasons. But, but he's one of the most Widely read authors in India. Okay. He is really a successful author. But let me tell, discuss, I'll tell you about his life. Okay. Just about his life. When he was in 10th grade, he got 76%. Okay. Out of 100%. That was in 1991, if I'm right. Okay. 1991. 76% in India, if you get 76%, they will say, Ayyo, kya baat, kya ho gaya re ko? Ayyo. They will look at, look at you like that. Hmm? 76% that is how they look at. So that's exactly how people started looking at him. Ayo, poor fellow, 76%. Hmm? So what did, what happened to him? He said, okay, fine, 76% people are looking down upon me. What should I do in order to gain their adoration and, uh, and they, they will begin to respect me? So what is the toughest exam on planet earth, in India at least, which I should crack so, so that they will start, uh, what do you say? Uh, praising him. So, that at that moment, at, during those days, IIT JE was the toughest exam. So, he gizzified for two years. Okay. 
in his own words okay <laughs> in his own words he gisophied for 2 years and he studied and studied and ratta marofied everything and he got a seat into mechanical engineering for, into iit delhi 4 years finished mechanical engineering got a got a job in cadbury worked there then he suddenly had this brain wave that he has to do as mba and he gisophied for another 2 years and got into iim ahmedabad which is the top business school in india if you want to talk about uh, what and school of business in uh, in america the equivalent is uh, indian institute of management ahmedabad so iit ahmedabad iit delhi iim ahmedabad aur kya chahiye bhai tere zindagi mein tere ko suddenly he said nothing was and he got a job in goldman sachs he was the middle class dream if you will of india and then he went into goldman sachs and he said i'm not happy here and he started writing so different things interested him at different different points in his life okay iit interested him because he didn't want to be an engineer he just wanted to get accolades cadbury interested him because he liked chocolates and he, therefore he finished his mechanical engineering started working in cadbury and then suddenly he got interested in management he went to iim ahmedabad gisophied there and he went to goldman sachs and he reached the pinnacle of his life finally what interested him is writing some trash so he started writing and he became uh, successful okay <laughs> but he has become successful very very successful now the thing is different things interested him in different different junctures in his life was he successful absolutely but for apostle paul different things did not interest him at different times he determined to know nothing see people in the world different things will interest them at different points in their lives okay they will be singularly focused for example michael phelps will be interested in becoming the greatest olympic medalist on planet earth and he will get 27 gold medals in all which is india in india in their dreams i don't know whether whether they will get 26 gold medals in all their history in olympics i don't know he got them all he got them all but suddenly he got distracted and he went into a different direction altogether different things will interest different people at different junctures in their life but for apostle paul there was only one interest god yeshua that i may know him so if i look at his life and when i look at his life i want i want to be there i want to be i i want to ask god to give me those grant me those attitudes at least i may not be as successful as him i don't know okay but at least let me show what is possible jesus ka bolo to we should walk like jesus walked is something which we can speak but are there examples yes there are of people who did it absolutely so let us see those attitudes which will enable us to see if we are absolutely determined or at least uh, uh, encourages and exhorts to be determined to follow that course that god has ordained for each one of us amen so i want to identify seven of course wherever i get either it's seven or 10 or 12 these are my numbers okay 7 10 12 so we are at the favorite number 13th 
I don't know what 13th which signifies, but 7, 10, 12 are, uh, those, those are my periods basically. If, uh, if I don't find 7, 10, 12, I go in multiples of 7 <laughs> and multiples of 10 and multiples of 12. Okay. That is what my attitude is because you ultimately you will find all numbers within those categories. Okay. First, I want to identify how many? Seven attitudes, which really struck me. I mean, this is something which is very close to my heart and which is biblical and I want to share them with you. What was, what are those secrets in the life of Apostle Paul that kept him on that straight and narrow path and absolutely focused? First, he never forgot where God picked him from. That's it. What is that? He never forgot where God picked him up from. A former blasphemer and insolent man. Turn first to First Timothy chapter 1. Verse 12 and 13. And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who, was, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly and unbelief. So these times of ignorance, God has winked at. That's what he says. These times of ignorance, God has winked at, but now he has called every everybody at all place to remit, uh, to repent. What it tells me is this. He never forgot where he came from. That means his repentance was absolutely genuine and radical. Genuine repentance, radical repentance. He never forgot. Look at what he says. And then he says, look at this, next verse. And the, and the grace of, of the Lord Jesus Christ was exceedingly abundant with faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came to the world to save sinners of whom I am the chief. So that I can be a pattern. That's what he says. My life will become a pattern. And he says he never forgot that. One of the things that we need to, we so easily forget. We sing that song, no? When trials come, oh, sir, how easily forget. To cast your burdens. That's what we forget. But here in this case, he never forgot from where God picked him from. Down in the dumps. See, unless and until we see ourselves that way, we will never be able to progress in this walk. 1st Corinthians, sorry, 1st John, 1st John, chapter 3 and verse 1. Behold, what manner of love, can you put it in NIV, it's beautiful in NIV, okay. Hmm. How great is the love, of the, how great is the love the Father has, what, lavished upon us. This is the conviction of John. And this was definitely the conviction of Apostle Paul. What manner of love? Lord, me, a blasphemer, an insolent man who murdered some of your people and who lived with that stigma all the days of his life, literally. Okay. Never forgot that. Me, Lord. And that is what we are, children of God. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. What manner of love? That Father has lavished that we should be called the children of God. 
See, the success of any believer or other of any person who has been called into this walk of discipleship, one of the things you never want to forget is where God picked you up from. So even when you fall, <laughs> when you come back, you, you'll always humble yourself. Because you knew where you were picked up from. And when you fell, you'll say, my God, how could I sin against the love that actually the God bestowed upon me? You understand what I'm saying? Turn with me to Second Samuel. Chapter 7. Verse 18. And 19. Then King God, sorry, then King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, who am I, O oh Lord? And what is my house, Lord, that you have brought me this far? And is this a small thing in your sight, O oh Lord God, that you have spoken of your servant's house for a great while to come? Is this the manner of man, O oh Lord God? Is this the manner of man? What is man that you are mindful of him? He can write all these psalms, Baba. You know why? Because he genuinely felt that. It was not humblicity. It was humility. You understand what I'm saying? You see that? Never forget that. And therefore, when God showed so much of love to him, so when he fell, you know, he actually knew how much he sinned against God. You know why? God gave me so much and for all the love he bestowed upon me, this is what I repay to him. His repentance was there. On the other hand, look at the great man. His predecessor. What's his name? Saul. 1 Samuel chapter 15. Verse 12. So when Samuel rose up early in the morning to meet Saul, it was told Samuel saying, Saul went to Carmel and indeed he has set up a monument for himself. Oh! Suddenly, where monument, Baba? Then Samuel reminds him. Verse 16 and 17. Then Samuel said to Saul, Be quiet. <laughs> I like that. Be quiet, Re. Self Dabamarthmar, please. Be quiet, and I will tell you what the Lord said to me last night. And he said to him, Speak on. Samuel said, When you were little in your own eyes, were you not the head of the tribes of Israel? When you were little, did you already forget? Did you not say, I'm the least in my family? My family is the least. All those things that you said, you forgot already and suddenly started making monument for yourselves. Think about those statements. That is the reason why Apostle Paul was able to finish his raid with such a bang. What a assurance, no? I have finished the race. I kept the faith. I fought the good fight. What is waiting for me? It's just a matter of time crown of righteousness is there. And not only me, to all those who love is appearing. What assurance. He never forgot where God picked him up from. Let us all ask God, Lord, may I never forget, Lord, from where you brought me and picked me up from. What where? What was I? Who was? That's exactly what uh, what uh, what uh, um, Moses admonishes or exhorts Israel. He says, God did not choose you because you were the greatest of all the people. God did not choose you because you were righteous. God knew that you were stiff-necked. 
God did not choose you because you are strong. No. In fact, hmm, I know who your mother, mother is. Who's your mother? Hittite. Your father? Amorite. That is when I picked you up from. So never forget that. Never forget that. Okay. So this is something which we all have to ask ourselves. Lord, do I forget easily? Every day in the morning, Lord, let me never forget. So you know what happens? When we have this kind of an attitude, we are always merciful to others. How much we have been given mercy. And that is the reason why I believe he was able to write those letters, like Romans, no? Has God given up, given up upon, upon Jews? He says, he asks this question. No, 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 no. If God has given up on Jews, you know, let me tell you something. Counter example. Who's a counter example? Me. Paul says in Romans chapter 11. If God has given up upon all Jews, he would never have saved me. I am the counter example over here. See, he had that love and he said, Lord, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel that they should be saved because I bear them witness that they have zeal for God. Not according, but not according to knowledge for they striving to establish their own righteousness have not striven or submitted themselves to the righteousness of God. And he says, I, I wish that I myself would be accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my kinsmen, my brother and according to flesh. For I bear them witness, etc. What tremendous, what tremendous uh, attitudes, no? That is simply because he never forgot from where God picked him up from. First thing. Paul was absolutely convinced of the fact that he was lavished upon by God with love through his son. How else will you explain the transformation of this man? <laughs> how, ex- how else will you explain? Galatians chapter 1 verse 23 and 24. Look at what it says. But they were hearing only. He who formerly persecuted us now preaches the faith which he once tried to destroy. And they what glorified not me, God in me. They glorified God. And that is the reason why he says, I thank my God through the Lord Jesus Christ for your faith. For God be thanked, for though you were once slaves to sins, that you obeyed from the heart that form of teaching that was entrusted to you. Okay, so he was, he's totally, totally conscious about the fact that he was loved and he was picked up by God and he never deserved it. Okay, second. He never forgot where God picked him up from. First thing. Second, he never complained about when God called him. When and how? In what circumstances? What do I mean by that? Let me give you an example. I mean, to, uh, to, to put this in perspective. Turn to Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confer with flesh and blood. What is that? Hello, 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 hello. God separated me from where, Baba? From mother's womb. That's an amazing statement, isn't it? So why did not God call him when he was a Pharisee under Gamaliel? He did not. Why? I'm sure he was, uh, it was, he was possibly a teenager, I don't know, when he was, uh, when Jesus was walking on, in, in Jerusalem. 
because it says it was a he was a young man when uh, Stephen was martyred. So we don't know how young or old he was. Okay, we are just speculating. If God chose him, separated him from the mother's womb, he did not call him when he went to University of Tarsus. He did not call him after he graduated from the University of Tarsus. He did not call him while he was putting people in prison. He waited and waited till he allowed through the Apostle Paul to martyr Stephen. And then God called him. I mean, isn't it interesting? God allowed him to mess up so much before he could before he could be called. Even though he was separated from his mother's womb. The key is this. Read verse 15 carefully. What does it say? But when, thank you so much Dr. Luke. When it pleased God, that is the time he called me. So no questions asked. Lord, I wish, I wish Lord that I was born in the era (laughs) of the disciples. I don't know. (laughs) Lord, I wish I was born in such and such a place. Lord, I wish my parents were so godly. Lord, I wish I was born in America. I'm just giving examples. You know what? God chose your parents. God chose your parents. Understand that. That's like like a song. When I heard for the first time when I was coming to this church, pastor made this statement which I could never forget. It just hit me like a boulder. You know, he says, there are no illegitimate children. There are only illegitimate parents. It was like maybe in 2009 or 2010 when we were growing up in the church. That statement, like my goodness, it struck me like a boulder. There are no illegitimate children. There are, there are only illegitimate parents. So what does it tell me? Every child is in the plan of God. Sovereignly. It pleased God. Whenever it pleased God, he called me. I am not going to complain. Why did you allow me, Lord, to do this? The stigma of killing Stephen. He never called. He never complained. All the church will tell me now, this fellow was responsible for killing my my son, putting my son in jail. Nothing of that sort. Lord, and he was totally okay with that. That means he completely surrendered himself to the sovereignty of God. You know, we have this thing, no? I wish I was born here. I wish my parents were this. I wish I was born in a Christian family. I wish I had this kind of an upbringing. If I had this, if I, if, no complaints. See, he never forgot where God picked him up from. He never complained as to when God called him. You know, I was looking at the, at the, at the library books, one more of the book title of the book is How to Be Born Again. Now I'm asking, how can anybody write a book as to how to be born again? Did you write a book as to how to how were you born? I mean, nobody can force born again on you. Let me show you. John's Gospel, chapter 3. 
verse 7 uh, onwards. <laughs> Look at this. Do not marvel that I say to you, you must be born again. And then it says, the wind blows where it wishes. And you hear the sound of it, but cannot tell where it comes from and where it goes. So is everyone who is born of the... Understand? When the Spirit comes, when the Spirit goes, we don't know. It's a sovereign work of God. He chooses what time and when you should be born. Lord, after having messed up for so many years in my life, you're asking me to be born again. You're causing me to be born again now. After all the mess I've done, sovereign. And some people who are older, no? They might get saved when they are 60 or 70 years old. Lord, after all the mess, now we are meeting me, Lord. How different life would have been if you would have met me? Never. It When it pleased God, he says. I <laughs> love that. When it pleased God to reveal his son in me, even though he separated me from my mother's womb. It pleased God at this time. You know what it tells me is this. No matter what kind of a mess that you have made, in Christ, whenever God has called you, you are a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, everything has become new. It doesn't matter how long or how late you got saved in life, you can still finish the course that God has ordained for you. That is a hope. And he was convinced about that. I wish I walked with Peter and John and James and I would have been one of the disciples. No! Nothing of that sort. Never. It's amazing. This man. He never complains, no? So a lot of, a lot of us complain. How many of us never, I was, when I was growing up, I said, oh Lord, I, I wish I was born in US or Canada or whatever this place. I wish I was born in such and such a country. Nothing. When, where God decided, you know what? You are not an accident, my dear brothers and sisters. None of us is an accident. Your parents were chosen by God. Your parents were chosen by God. Your circumstances were chosen by God. Your school was chosen by God because you never had any opportunity to choose the school, right? Did you say, no, I will not go to St. Patrick's. I never said that. My parents said, St. Patrick's, St. Patrick's, over. That's it. The school was chosen by God. Everything was chosen by God. All your circumstances. Gives us tremendous hope. Isn't it? So you know what it tells me is this. The greater the mess, mess that you have made, the greater is the message that God can actually testify of you from your life. That is the reason why this guy, it's like Paul. <laughs> Paul. Who is this Paul Baba? Saul, I know. We, we know this Saul. Wasn't this the guy who made those people widows? Wasn't this the guy who persecuted and killed so many people? Wasn't he responsible? Know what he said? Lord, I wish you called me. You know, God said, no, 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 no. I choose this time. I choose this time. When it pleased God, he calls us. Amen. Don't forget that. You know, I believe those circumstances were chosen by God to keep this man humble. Otherwise, he would have thought he was Tob Megapan. 
Okay, first. So therefore, he never forgot where he was picked up from. Second, he never complained when God called him in the circumstances. He left it completely to the sovereignty of God. In other words, he never twisted. That is the reason why he was so convinced about the sovereignty of God. He never, ever, ever complains. Who can separate, he says, from the love of Christ? Can tribulation, can anguish, can nakedness, can peril? Okay, first. So, third thing. And because of these two things, he had what we call as an attitude of a bond servant. In other words, I know who owns me. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Paul, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated for the gospel of God. What a radical statement is this, Baba. Paul, bond servant of Jesus. Over. Becoming an apostle is is incidental. And separated for the gospel. My God owns me. How much? 100%. Thank you. Thank you, Peter. Thank you. It's very easy answer, but very difficult to... (laughs) Answers are very easy in Christianity. You know that. Life is difficult. Simplicity is... The answers are so, so simple. Life is difficult. That is the reason why Acts chapter 27, verses 21 to 23. Peter said, once bitten, twice shy. So I got two handkerchiefs. Okay. (laughs) <laughs> so very very hard <laughs> okay but after a long abstinence from food then Paul stood in the midst of them said men you should have listened to me and not have sailed from Crete and incurred this disaster and loss look at this guy sovereignty you know and now I urge you to take heart for there will be no loss of life among you but only the ship for there stood by me the night this night an angel of the Lord to whom I belong and to whom I serve. Finished. He, I belong to him, I serve him. And because he had this attitude as to who owns him and whom he was serving, he could serve everybody else. Why, how could he become a servant of all? Because he knew whose he was. I'll I'll tell you something. If you are convinced of the fact that you are the owner of an estate, okay, if there is garbage in your estate, what will you do? Will you wait for the servant to come and clean it? No. Hurry, garbage, my dad's estate. Just, just go and clean it. And you will, there is no loss of dignity because you are going and cleaning it. Why? Because it's yours. And because you are doing a menial, menial job, so-called, in the eyes of the world, it's not going to really bother you. Because you know whose you are. Let me give you an example. Turn with me to John's Gospel, chapter 13. Look at this, okay? I mean, this is stunning statements of Jesus. The whole context it's been given, verses 1 onwards, okay? Let me, let me, let me show you something. Now, before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, that he should depart from this world. Okay, 
having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. And supper being ended, the devil having already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. Now look at this, all circumstances are going to be against him. And this one fellow who's going to, whom, who's, whose feet is going to wash, that fellow is also against him. Jesus knowing, look at this, Jesus knowing that the father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from the father and he was going to the father, he ordered his servants. No. What did he do? Rose up from supper, laid aside his garments, took a towel, guarded himself and began to wash. Poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel with which he was guarded. Think about this, my dear brothers. The ruler of the universe, why was he able to do that? It says, Adam was made from the dust. God got his hands dirty. You know why? Because he created the dust. (laughs) The dust also belongs to him. Everything he owns. And because he owns everything, and because Jesus knew that all things were entrusted into their into God, into his hands and everything. He knew where he was coming from. He knew where he was going. He knew that now he's going to be crowned the king. What is he going to do? Wash the disciples' feet. You know why? Because he was absolutely certain who he was. Who he belonged to. Who owns you, my dear brothers? So if you are absolutely confident as to who owns you, you will not be, in no job will be, uh, will be below your dignity by the way. You know that? And in fact, if you, if you think if somebody says, oh, pastor, you should not do this, you are a pastor, then I should be really <laughs> upset. What kind of an attitude, what kind of an attitude, what is the kind of air that, that I have, that I am portraying, that people should stop me from making me do certain things. No, one of the things that I learned when we started our school, I became a butt cleaner. Really. I was, I was thinking, Lord, what am I doing here, Lord? One of my students, he looked at me and he said, Sir, I said, what happened, beta? This is about two, three or five, I think it was four years old or three years old when he came to our school for the first time. I took him to the washroom and he was making all kinds of sounds. Okay. Washed. Everybody's. What are you? I know whose I am. Nothing is below my dignity. I remember my daughter used to be with Sister Elsa when she was like, what, three years old or four years old, no? You remember those days? Abigail, her time on Sunday afternoon was with Sister Elsa. And she used to poop nicely. And on the diaper. Sister Elsa used to go, cut, clean, nicely put the diaper and give back, no? Unbelievable. Why? Nothing is below dignity. You know why? Who owns me? 
You see what I'm talking about? That is the reason why you go, turn with me to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. So, but before I go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, first be very absolutely sure who, who owns you. Now, first we go, before we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, let's go into 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verses 19 and 20 and 7, 23. Okay, 19 and 20 and chapter 7 verse 23 of 1 Corinthians, okay? Or do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. That means, I am owned by God. I am His bondservant. Okay, next one. Next verse. 723, 1 Corinthians. You were bought at a price. Do not become slaves of men. Basically, men's of men's opinion. If you are not going to become slaves of men's opinion, what they think about you, what will happen to you? First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 19 onwards now. For though I am free from all men, I have made myself servant to all. Why? What is the reason? That I might win them. The more. To the Jews I became like a Jew. That I might win the Jews. To those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without the law, not being without law toward God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those who are without law. To the weak I became as weak, that I might win the weak. I became all things to all men, that by that I might by all means save some. This is his attitude. It's an attitude, basically. Because you know why? He was absolutely convinced who owns him. He had the attitude of Jesus Christ. Jesus knowing that the Father had given him what? How many things? All things. What did he do? He laid aside his garments, you know, girded himself with a towel, took a wash basin and started washing the disciples' feet. You know why? Because he was absolutely convinced who owns him. You understand? So who owns you? (laughs) This is attitude number three. ABC, yeah. What do you call us? Attitude of bond servant. Fourth one. I call it persuaded by terror, constrained by love. (laughs) What is that? Persuaded by terror, constrained by love. Persuaded by terror. And both of these two themes come together. You know that? You have to be persuaded by terror and you have to be constrained by love. They are not independent themes. KJV, okay? Second Corinthians chapter 5. Verse 9. What does it say? Wherefore we labor, that whether present or absent, we may be accepted to him. Why? For we may all gather, must all. What a tremendous statement that is, no? What a tremendous statement. How easily we forget when you get in the man, get up in the morning. We are so angry with people. We are angry with uh, our leaders, spiritual elders. Oh, so many, so many times we are angry with so many people. <laughs> and we suddenly forget <laughs> that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Yesterday that pastor was talking about, right? Just imagine, you are slapping your wife and suddenly God comes. You are typing an email and suddenly God comes. 
Come out those statements, my dear brothers. You spoke a word, suddenly God comes. Before, just imagine, before you could finish your apology, God comes. Is anything stopping him from coming? By the way, tell me. Oh no, Vijay has not repented, poor fellow. Is there anything stopping God? Yeah, actually, that is what, that's the only thing which is stopping him, actually. It says, and God is not willing that anybody should perish, but, but what? That all might, might brought back to repentance, but don't take the long suffering for God, of God for what? Granted, no, 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 no. Don't test his long suffering. Because he is long suffering, you have to fear. Because you can come any moment. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone should receive the things done in his body. Hello. That is the reason why who owns you. is important. According to what he has done, whether it be good or bad. That is the reason why 1 Timothy chapter 5 will say some people's sins are evident. Some people's sins will follow. In the same way, some people's good works are evident. Some people's good works will follow. And Romans, Revelation chapter 14 verse 13, what does it say? Ah, they have rested from their works. Their good works are following. Nothing will be hidden. Knowing therefore the what of the Lord? The terror of the Lord. What do we do? We persuade men. That's what I said. Persuaded by terror. But we are made manifest unto God and I trust are also made manifest unto your consciences. And therefore, look at verse 14 now. Verse 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us. You see that? What is, what is he? He's persuaded by terror, constrained by love. And what does this do? What does this do? It says, you know what? God has entrusted into our hands what? The ministry of reconciliation. Please be reconciled to God when there is time. Otherwise it will be too late. Too late. That's the, that was his, what was the thesis of his ministry was, you know what? Persuaded by terror, constrained by love. Turn to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20, verse 25 onwards. And indeed, now I know that you, that you all among whom have gone preaching the kingdom of God will see my face no more. Therefore, therefore, I testify to you this day that I am, what? Innocent of the blood of all men. Second, verse 27. For why? For I have not shunned to you to declare the whole counsel of God. You know something? Paul lived under this constant tension that who's after him? The avenger of blood is after him. That is what faithful was, you know? That's That's the reason why he's called faithful in Pilgrim's Progress. Why? Don't stop me. Don't stop me, he says. He's running his race. And Christian is saying, Hey, whatever his name, please wait for me. He said, don't stop me, don't stop me. The avenger of blood is after me. What statements Banyan has made, Baba? One statement he made. And I was breaking my head as to what this is. Uh, living under this consciousness of that avenger of blood being after you, Baba. I, really, you know, I was stunned when that statement was made. I was thinking, Lord, what is this? John Bunyan, I was trying to crack his puzzle. And one day, when I was reading through uh, the book of uh, 
Joshua and uh, and Deuteronomy, it says that you have to have three refuge cities. Three on this side of Jordan, three on the other side of Jordan. So that anybody who strikes somebody accidentally should go there and hide himself until a diligent search has been made whether he has deliberately killed somebody or he has accidentally killed. If he has accidentally killed, the avenger of blood has got nothing to do. He cannot stop him. I mean, he cannot do anything to him. But if he has deliberately killed, he has to be handed over to the avenger of blood. But if he has accidentally killed also, he just cannot come out of the city of refuge. You know that? If he comes out of the city of refuge, the avenger of blood will be upon him and he will die. Until what time? Until the high priest dies, the avenger of, he has to stay within that cities of refuge. Only when the high priest dies, is he allowed to go. So what, what are you and I supposed to say? You know what, your high priest has died. Who is our high priest? Jesus Christ is our high priest. He has died for your sins. He is not the ironic high priest, Baba. He has gone into the most holy place, not on, on earth, in the heavenlies, with his own blood. And we are there to warn everyone, be reconciled to that man. And if you have not done that, God says, I will require their blood upon your hands. He lived under that consciousness that he has to be faithful to the whole counsel of God. That's what he says. For I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God whom you purchased with his own blood. Do you see that? He purchased this with his own blood. And therefore, I need to know, I have to ensure that I teach you the whole counsel of God. Otherwise, his blood will be upon my hands. Persuaded by terror, Constrained by love. The love of God constraineth me, he says. So what are you persuaded by? You know what should persuade us? The terror. What do you think persuaded Enoch? (laughs) The terror. What do you think persuaded Noah? To walk with God. Judgment. There's judgment and then mercy. And then we'll know that mercy triumphs over judgment. How do you know that mercy triumphs over judgment unless and until you are convinced about the judgment? Once Methuselah was born, everything in his life changed. Sida ho gaya, banda. Constrained by love, persuaded by terror. Okay? Knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Amen. Alright, let's look at another verse. Ephesians chapter 4 verse. Um, yeah. 11 to 15. Read those verses. For he himself gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. 
Why? That we all come to the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men and the plotting craftiness, cunning craftiness of the deceitful plotting because of so many false prophets and false gospels. And what are we supposed to do? Teach you so that you will keep yourself from that. And then, but, but what? Speaking the truth how? In love. Speaking the truth in love. May grow up in all things into him who is the head, Christ. That is what persuades me. What is that? The terror of the Lord and the love of Christ. Persuaded by terror, constrained by love. That is fourth attitude. First attitude, auntie. Never forgot where he got picked up from. Never complained when God called him. Third, was absolutely convinced who owns him. And you know what? Willingly he submitted himself to that. And therefore, he was not, he became a servant to all. You know why he was able to be a servant to all? Because he was absolutely convinced as to who owns him. Third, fourth one, persuaded by terror, constrained by love. Fifth one, conscious that he has entered into a race. What is that? Yeah. Conscious that he has entered into a race and he is running to win. Exactly. Participation certificate participation certificate There's no participation certificate in Christianity. Yes, convinced, <laughs> conscious of the fact that he has entered into a race. Okay. First Corinthians chapter 9. Therefore, what does he do? It is a subsection 7. Okay. Seven things he does here also. Hmm? Do you not know? Thank you. First Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 onwards. Dr. Luke, you are on the money. Do you not know that those who run in the race all run but run, one receives the prize. Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a perishable crown but be for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty, thus I fight, not as one who beats the air, but I discipline my body and bring it to subjection, lest when I have preached to others, I myself should not become disqualified. Why was he able to finish his race and become a successful Christian? Simply because of this. One of I mean, not simply because. One of the reasons why he was conscious that he has, that he has entered into a race. First thing, he realized that he is in a race. Okay, first thing. Whether you like it or not, you are in a race. So what do I do? Get rid of all weights and all sins. <coughs> okay. If you want to lose weight, run with weights. Okay. But if you have attained that whatever body, the toned body, run with minimum weight. Okay. Well, that's interesting. No? I, like, I like that. If you want to lose weight, run with weight. That's exactly what happened to Christian. No? He was walking with the weight and then finally that weight of weight went, weight went, disappeared when he <clears throat> went to the cross. But that's okay. We are not going to talk about that. So first realize that you are in a race. Get rid of weights. Okay. Barul. Pakkana petti. Barul pakkana petti. Bharane diskolanta. You have to get rid of weights but accept the burden. What did I say? Ah. 
you have to get rid of weights. But that seems like an oxymoron, but it is not. It's a tremendous burden in 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 uh, in uh, the life of Apostle Paul. And one of the things as parents, we should have a burden for our own children. Burden. You have to be burdened for our children. It's a burden. Oh my goodness, my child has to know the Lord. Okay. So, get rid of weight so that God can give you a burden. That's the secret of Apostle Paul. Realize that you are in a race and get a burden and not a weight. What is weight? Something which is unnecessary. Which is not going to help you on this process of winning the race. What is a yoke? Which trains you and makes you even more sharper in the race that you are in. You know that? For example, yoke of practice. I play the piano for 2-3 minutes. My my, uh, fingers start aching. My goodness, and you should see that man's uh, fingers. They just fly. You know why? Yoke. Burden. He took a yoke upon himself. What is that yoke? Hours and hours and hours of practice. Okay. One of the things that we need to do with our children also, put a, put a water on them. Yoke on them. They'll hate the yoke. The only way to enter into the rest is to take a yoke. You know that? I didn't say that. Jesus said it. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Okay, fine. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in your heart. And you will find what? Rest to your souls. It is only after we start taking the yoke upon ourselves, the yoke of God, and it is good for a man to bear his yoke when he is young, Baba. Young, young. Bachelors. Okay. But it, but when it pleased God, I'm also convinced about that. When, when it pleased God, okay? So, <laughs> I wish I was a bachelor all the time. When it pleased God, okay? When it pleased God. Understand that. So realize that you are in a race. Second, realize there is a price. What price? Imperishable price. So if if you want to get rid of, if you want to get the perishable, imperishable price, what should you get rid of? Perishable things. Okay. What are the perishable things? For example, James chapter 1, verses 9 to 11. I, I I like the I like the way James writes. No, James is like my kind of a guy. I mean, I'm not my kind of a guy. He's too straightforward, Baba. He just tells it to your face, and he is like makes bullet points. Tut, 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 one point to the other, one theme to the other. He just keeps moving. He's as if he's in a hurry. Let the lowly brother glory in his exaltation, but let the rich in his. Arey, kya baat hai? I like that. But the rich in his humiliation, because as a flower of the field, he will pass away. And then, for no sooner has the sun risen with a burning heat than it withers the grass. Its flower falls and its beautiful appearance perishes. So the rich man also will fade away in his, what? Pursuits. Oh, what are your pursuits? 
pursuits which will fade away or pursuits which will last all eternity. Charm is deceitful. Beauty is gain. Beauty is vain. I think even all the people who, who go into beauty pigeons also know it very well. You know why? One of the things that you listen to all the actors, actresses interviews, you know, they say, the life of an actress is very small, they say. So make hay while the sun shines for them. Not, not heroes in, in, in Telugu movies, heroes are evergreen. Especially. Okay, they can look very young when, I think even in Bollywood also is the same, but I'm not sure. I mean, Shahrukh Khan can be like 52 years old and he can act as a teenager also. I, I don't know how that is possible. Yeah, no? They can make movies as if they're teenagers. But that's that's a different thing. But it's fading. So how do you gain an imperishable gift? How? Because charm is deceitful, no? Beauty is gain, no? Vain, no? But a woman that fears the Lord, she shall be praised. When, Baba? On that day. <laughs> and she will receive what? An imperishable crown. Let us go to First Peter chapter 3. We know it very well, but we will go in this context. First Peter chapter 3. Verse 3 onwards. Do not let your adornment... Oh, like that. No, that word, the word adornment is cosmos, by the way. <laughs> let not your world be <laughs> merely outwardly world cosmetics do not let your adornment be merely outward arranging the hair wearing gold putting on fine apparel but rather let it be the hidden person of the heart with the incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is very precious. In whose sight? That is incorruptible. That is imperishable. First of all, you are in a race. So get rid of weight and get a burden. Sin, of course, we will talk about that later. Second, you are in a race, realize, run so that you can get a prize. What kind of a prize? Imperishable prize. So you need to have a imperishable attitude or an incorruptible attitude, right? What is an incorruptible attitude? A incorruptible beauty of a gentle and a quiet spirit which is precious in the sight of God. Why? How, do, how did they get it, Baba? Look at this. This is how they got it. For in this manner, in former times, the holy women who trusted in God adorned themselves. How? Being submissive. First, let us all say the word submissive. Submissive. Lord, make me submissive. Let me not fight authority. Even if you feel that the authority is wrong. That's what it says, no? Servants, be, sub be submissive to your masters with what kind of fear? With dash fear. With all fear. I mean, whatever kinds of fear that you may have, get it all together. Not only to the good and gentle, but also to the wicked. Say, Lord, make me 
submissive to their own husbands. As Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, whose daughters you are, if you do good and are not afraid with any terror. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of sound mind. Don't think, oh, they'll take advantage of me. Let them take advantage. Why do you feel that they are taking advantage of you? Because you are looking for what? A temporal crown. That is the reason why people say, they are taking advantage of my talent. Talent is deceitful. (laughs) Okay. Uh, All these things are vain, Baba. One who fears the God, fears the Lord, she will be praised. So therefore, make me, Lord, submissive Lord. And let me pursue this. Not perishable pursuits, but let me pursue this kind of an attitude. The imperishable beauty of a meek and a quiet spirit. Submissive spirit who will come under subjection. Understood? It will help you. And why do you think Paul was successful? Simply because of this. Third category in that same, running a race. He was temperate in all things. What What things? Temperate in all things. Please put it, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 23 in the NIV. I like that. Very, very nice. Everything is permissible. Everything is? Okay, all, what are those? Everything, Prime Video, Netflix, YouTube, um, uh, what, what else? Sim and Sam, La, 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 Wonderla, huh? What else? Um, Theater, everything is permissible. But not beneficial. Everything is permissible, but not everything is Constructive. Hello. <laughs> constructive. Constructive hai kya? Aapka jo sambhashan bolta na usko? Sambhashan. Sambhashana. Telugu la sambhashana te hindi hai putan kutna maradu. Your conversations. How are they? Constructive? Your entertainments. Your relaxations, your drinks, all things are permissible, but nothing, not everything is constructive. Therefore, choose what is constructive. That is what we call as temperate in all things. Everything is permissible. Actually, if you now go back to uh, KJV or NKJV, look at how it says, all things he says, <laughs> all, uh, sorry, to 23, 23. All things are lawful for me, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. Therefore, I choose those things which edify me and edify others. What should sharpen what? Iron should sharpen iron. So does the countenance of a friend. Six, same thing. First Corinthians chapter 6 verses 12 and 13. All things, again, all things are lawful for me, all things are not helpful. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So be very careful. Maybe 15 minutes of entertainment is okay. But seasons, not okay. You will lose that season. Seasons only people watch, no? Season 1, season 2, season 3, season 4, season 5, season 6, season 7. Repeat. 
and they are waiting desperately for the next exam my goodness okay you will be brought under the power one of the things that we have realized is that we have brought under the power of coffee in 65 days now in the morning i got up and i said where is my coffee <laughs> and i came early so that i could have coffee now i am not satisfied with brew anymore nonsense <laughs> you see <laughs> but yeah if you take the blood samples corona will not be there but caffeine will be there for sure is it, is it is it caffeine in the blood oh yeah i think so no caffeine enters into the blood okay when knowledge wisdom has entered your heart and knowledge is pleasant to your soul what has entered into my into our blood now caffeine so all things are lawful for me but not all things profit or beneficial or constructive all things are lawful for me but i do not want to be brought under the power of anything see that so can you break your cycle is important so let's say for example you have a schedule hmm friday 20 minutes 5 minutes mujhe break lena hai monday break it and do something else then you will know whether you have been brought under the <laughs> power of those things you see he's temperate in all things so we looked at he he realized that he was in a race he realized that there is a price in corruptible price and therefore he is temperate in all things for he runs with certainty what is that very very certain only two things certain in life what are they death and taxes <laughs> okay death and taxes are i mean that is a very famous statement death and cert taxes are certain therefore 1 timothy 6 7 timothy 6 7 what is what the, the, that one certainty we should fear for we brought nothing into this world and it is <laughs> certain that we will carry nothing out therefore having food and raiment or clothing with this we shall be content there is only one thing certain you know what that is certain the kingdom of god everything else is uncertain when every earthly prop gives way you alone are my hope and stay on christ the solid rock i stand all other ground is sinking sand therefore you know what I, there is a one certain thing in my life kingdom of god is certain whether you like it or not all the kingdom kingdoms of this world they will collapse and the kingdom of god can might look like a small stone but one day it's going to become big and is going to engulf and the kingdoms of this world will become the kingdoms of our lord and savior jesus christ period that is certainty that is certain <laughs> what is certain in your life you know one of the things one old brother used to be not old brother a young brother used to be in our church sometime back certainly he said he used to use the word certainly 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 okay. you know that brother no certainly certainly that was his word there is one thing which is certain what is a certain death is certain judgment is certain okay 
एग्जामिनेशन के बाद क्या होता है रिजल्ट इज सर्टन हाउ यू रोड इट रिजल्ट मन चेत ले हमारे चेत में नहीं है चेत में नहीं है इट इज नॉट डेर इन आर हैंड्स बाबा सो रन विथ सर्टनिटी देन इट इज अ फाइट ही रियलाइज दट इट इज अ फाइट बॉक्सिंग नो वॉट कैंड ऑफ अ फाइट बॉक्सिंग फाइट हाउ डू यू बॉक्स नॉट लाइक दिस लाइक दिस एंड यू बॉक्स विथ okay not as one beating the air but making every punch count like mohammad ali i told you no fly fly like a butterfly sting like a bee but how do you sting like a bee how do you actually fight with clenched fists and make every punch count you want to know answer is found in the bible how to fight with clenched fist and make every punch count isaiah chapter 58 verse 3 onwards why have we fasted they say <laughs> okay look at this okay that we see these are these are all fighting fasting is a fight with clenched fist so, so many people fast with clenched fist oh, i should not eat i should not eat i should not eat okay something like that okay with clenched fist okay why have we fasted they say and you have not seen why have we afflicted our souls and you do not take notice in fact in the day you fast you find pleasure and you exploit all your labors laborers next verse indeed you fast for strife and debate and to strike with the ah you strike with the clenched fist of wickedness baba okay don't strike like this strike this is what is called beating the air meaning you are striking or fighting for something which has no value on this side of eternity that's exactly what paul tells the, the corinthian church in first corinthian chapter 6 you fellows are are fighting for property brother takes brother to court and that too before the gentiles what are you doing you are fighting as one beating the air this is all vanity what is that striving after the wind says who the great man the wisest man who ever lived with a 9.8 iq macha useless ultimately em yesindo danto striving beating the air is this a fast i have chosen no fast is not to strike the other person i remember one man of sometime back one pastor no i was fasting what was i fasting for for a car I said what for a car you are fasting for a car I mean i'm fasting to overcome sin and then ardham aitadu naaku emo my flesh is very strong brother and therefore i'm fasting no 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 i'm fasting that god will give me a car that is what we call as clenched fist beating the air is this the fast beating your body for what praying and praying i prayed prayed god i fasted and i prayed and god gave me a house ayyo 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 enna macha beating the air clenched fist that is the reason why he says you bite and devour one another do you know that 
it tells the Galatian church, you are biting and devouring one another. Instead of fighting the powers of darkness, you are fighting who? Each other. Fighting as one beating the air. You know what God, Paul says? No. I don't punch as one beating the air. And then, he says, I discipline my body. <laughs> that is important, no? In other words, I'm not lazy. A little sleep, a little folding on of hands. Oh, today in the morning, what a struggle it was for me to get up. My goodness, man. The AC was 29 degrees centigrade, 26. And the outside home was like hot like a furnace. I know you guys were struggling, I'm sure. Okay. And I got my alarm. Alarm was 3, 3.45. No, not alarm. I just get up. I have now inbuilt alarm. Almost. No, I get up and I start my also Okay, another 15 minutes. Went to the washroom, came back, slept. And then I went outside and I said, oh, the door is locked. I don't want to disturb my wife. And again, went back. You see that struggle. That struggle. My God. And then this verse comes to my mind. What is that? 24-33. Proverbs. A little sleep. A little slumber. A little folding of hands to rest. Oh! And I got up from my sleep. I went outside and it was hot. Sweating. No coffee. <laughs> you see, <laughs> unbelievable it was. You see, this is what I'm talking about. You know what he says? Beat your body, subjection. Your body, your stomach listens to you. You don't listen to your stomach. Of course, I came back here and I made my coffee. With jaggery. <laughs> it's a healthy caffeine. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Alright. So don't be lazy. A little sleep. A little slumber. And then, if you don't do this, otherwise you will be what? Disqualified. <laughs> God is not a respecter of? Oh, you, Apostle Paul. No, 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 no. I will be also disqualified after having preached to others. So, disqualified ka matlab kya hai? Run according to rules. That means how do you run? Everybody runs his own race. Don't try to run somebody else's race. Help others on the race. That is also a law. Please turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 5. Okay. Also, if anyone competes in athletics, he is not crowned unless he competes according to rules, Nana. Or he competes lawfully in, in, in KJV. He, he has to compete lawfully. That means he has to obey the law, rules. What is the first rule? Your race. You run. What did I say? Your race, you run. Help others, 
alongside you who are running their race, but don't run theirs. Help them. That is what we call as a law of love. That is also a rule. Love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, with all of your mind. That is your that is your race. Love your neighbor as yourself. Don't run his race, but help him on his race. That is two rules. Run according to rules. Romans chapter 13 verse 10. 8? Oh yeah, 10. Yeah, verse 10. That's enough. 10. Love does not do any harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Amazing, no? Love is the fulfillment. We remember that verse we passed preaching from uh, for the righteous requirement of the law should be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the spirit. Understand? How, how does the righteous requirement of the law be fulfilled in us? Love is a fulfillment of the law. We help others in their race but we don't run their race. We help and we run our own. That is according to rules. Otherwise you will be disqualified. That is point number E. Yeah. A, B, C, D, E, F. E. A, B, C, D, E. Five. Oh yeah. F. Sixth one. He was conscious that he was in a race. That is my favorite topic, so I expanded a little more. Sixth point. He had a, he was a man with a very tender conscience. What did I say? Tender conscience. He was so sensitive to sin. He was not sinless like Christ. He made mistakes. But he was a man with a tender conscience. Let me show you. Acts chapter 24 verse 16. This being so, I myself also strive to have a conscience without offense toward God and man. I strive, he says. I labor, in other words. One thing that I do not want to have a, a conscience which is void of offense. I want to have a conscience void of offense towards God and, and towards man. I do not want to offend anybody in the sense this way so that I've heard them in any way. Verse 20, chapter 23 now. How does he apply this? Okay. Look at how he applies this. Chapter 23 of Acts. And let's read from verse 1 onwards. Fantastic application. Okay. You have to see application also. Where you should, where this should be particularly uh, applied in a context. Then Paul looking earnestly at the council said, Men and brethren, I have lived in all good conscience before God until this day. And the high priest Ananias commanded those who stood by him to strike him on the mouth. And immediately what he said, then Paul said to him, God will strike you, you whitewashed wall, for you sit to judge me according to the law, and you and do you command me to be struck contrary to the law? And those who stood by said, do you revile God's high priest? And then you know what he says, when Paul said, I did not know brothers that he was the high priest. For it is written, you shall not speak evil of a ruler of your people. From where? Exodus chapter 22 verse 8, 28. Don't have to turn there. That means even his conscience was trained by the truth of the word of God. He said, oh my goodness, I said that? And immediately he confesses. You know something? High priest, who's the high priest now, Baba? Jesus. Who is this fellow? Did he say? No. Nothing. 
came under subjection to authority. And nowadays people can say anything against authority and they think that they can get away with it. And their conscience does not trouble them at all. What was the secret of David's life? A tender, sensitive conscience. First Samuel chapter 24. And verse uh, 4 onwards. Then the men said to David, uh, then, then the men of David said to him, this is the day of which the Lord said to you, behold, I will deliver your enemy into your hand that you may do to him as it seems good to you. And David, and not for the temporal. Okay, so this is what agonizing is. Then the third one. Let's go to Colossians chapter 4. Verse 12 onwards. I like this. 12 and 13 only, okay? Just 12 and 13. Epaphras, who is one of you, okay, a bond servant of Jesus Christ, greets you. Always, hmm, hmm, what is that? Agonizing fervently for you in prayers. That you may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. Oh, not just some of the will of God, but all the will of God. But who is agonizing? This, this guy is agonizing for you. What is this agonizing? He is agonizing for the souls of men. He is agonizing not for himself, like Daniel. He is not agonizing not for himself, like Nehemiah. He is not agonizing for himself, not for himself, like 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 uh, uh, like Abraham. He takes how many? 318 trained soldiers born in his own house. What does he do? He takes them and he fights for somebody else's soul. And how, do you, how is he agonizing? Fervently in prayers. Prayers is what? Agony. That is the reason after a while, prayer becomes in the spirit. You cannot pray with understanding at all. It won't work. After a while, it is impossible. Groanings that are too deep for words. If they are too deep for words, how can you use words to express them? You know, when people read through Romans chapter 8, and if you don't believe in the gift of tongues, I'm so sorry for you. Then you will say, do all speak in tongues? Ask them, Baba. Ask the gift. Okay. What should you know? You should stand perfect and complete in what? In all the will of God. You see, for the will of God to be established in your life, somebody has to agonize in prayer. In other words, you need to have a shepherd who will agonize for you in prayer so that you can have the what of God, the all the will of God fulfilled in your life. You see how important this agonizing is? See? And what does he say? For I bear him witness that he has a what zeal? Great zeal for you. The word for great is very interesting. Poly means many kinds of zeal. Poly zeal means, you know how parents, right, they use different, different methods to make, ensure that their children succeed. In, 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 uh, in India, there's a formula. Samadhan, Danda, Ved. Malamena, first Samad means first peaceful. 
then dana means we'll give you mercy and we'll give them some gifts okay if you do this i'll give you this i'll give you this dand peth comparison different kinds of, and you should see how parents are indian parents are zealous for their parent for the children oh boy <laughs> oh my goodness why do you think coaching is such a fantastic business in india because of zeal of their parents right doctor hmm he says i bear them witness that he has a great zeal for you all kinds of zeal oh you should see how justin encourages abigail emmanuel oh my goodness so that what because i, I as a parent have a tremendous zeal for my child how much more god will have for his child and therefore he has to have an epaphras 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 okay who will strive and agonize fervently in prayer so that all the will of god may be completely and be perfectly established in your life kya baat hai you see this is this is christian life do you think there is any passive here there is any plan b for you other than this is a question so how do we do this finally turn to how do we agonize therefore turn to colossians chapter 1 verses 28 to 29 this is the last verse for the day just agonize brothers that's all please word okay him we preach warning every man and teaching every man how in all wisdom if i if you have to know all the god for your for your life what should you what should, what should i i have all wisdom okay that we may present every man you see god is interested in individuals all no every he doesn't say all of you every one of you every single one of you what is the aim of teaching that every single one of you will fulfill all the will of god in your lives and therefore i will agonize for you in press but think about this think about that you know if i have to i want my child to survive i'm um, to to do the best who should agonize i should agonize for her i should fast and pray for her for abigail as a that is a, as a parent i cannot say pastor james uh, can you please fast fast and pray for whom for abigail vijay what are you going to do no pastor i don't have the time uh, i have work to do you know i have to go to office and i need a lot of energy and uh, and i have to make money and provide for the family in the meantime can you please fast and pray for my daughter how foolish that will sound <laughs> what i should fast and pray for your daughter and what will you do that's how many many people think I'm sending you to my your church no that is your responsibility no 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 you have to fast and pray for your children fast and pray okay anyway let's let's move on he says him we preach warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus to this end i also 
labor and agonize how according to his working which works in me mightily that is how i agonize not in my own strength this kind of agonizing after a while you will agonize <laughs> really and you'll say why am i agonizing unless and until god gives you this burden you know what happens agonize becomes pleasure yeah will become a joy okay and that you know you'll say you know what it's working in me it'll work in you also you'll become like you know what archimedes eureka <laughs> it's working it's working it's working i've proved i've proven god in my life and he is going to work in your life as well how do i do it not in my own strength but in the power in his power which works in me how mightily that is the reason why he says in galatians chapter 2 verse 20 we know this very well hmm. what does he say stro 20 and 21 okay yeah yeah i have been crucified with christ it is no longer i live but christ lives in me and the life which i now live in the flesh i live by faith of the son of god of course who loved me and gave himself may i do not set aside the grace of god for if righteousness comes through the law then christ died in vain i do not set the it's the grace of god which makes me like this First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses nine to eleven. First Corinthians chapter fifteen verses nine to eleven. What does it say? For I am the least of the apostles, that I am not meet to be called the apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am, and His grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. But I laboured more abundantly than they all. Yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Therefore, whether it was where i or they so we preach and so you believed the grace of god labor fervently which by his working which worked mightily and powerfully in me so it says in zechariah chapter 4 and verse 6 onwards we know this very well no so he answered and said to me this is the word of the lord to who zerubbabel no there are two kinds of people two people over there as the heads one is joshua the high priest and zerubbabel the king Joshua represents the high priest it's very interesting Joshua in the Septuagint the book of Joshua Joshua is called Joshua ha 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 in the book of Joshua is called Joshua Joshua is called Joshua in the Septuagint when he comes to this place Joshua is called what Jesus interesting just an interesting observation so he answered and said to me this is the word of the lord to whom not to joshua joshua the high priest now he was he was vindicated he's clean clothed with the clothes of righteousness now this is to zerubbabel not by might not by power but by my spirit says the lord who are you o great mountain before zerubbabel you shall become a plain and he shall bring forth the capstone with shouts of word grace grace okay and then verse 8 onwards moreover the word of the lord came to me saying the hands of zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this temple his hands also shall finish it then you will know that the lord of hosts has sent me to you there this, this is what has happened no when the church the temple in jerusalem was being built you know what happens right the temple is stopped why because the shama the san no not sanballat this is uh, rehma and uh, Sushma, the scribe, they sent letters to Artaxerxes saying that these people are rebellious people. They have been constructing their house, and the Artaxerxes sends a letter and says, "Stop!" And they come and forcefully stop. And after that, these fellows relax. And Haggai and Zechariah, two prophets, who raise and encourage them and say, "Come on, rebuild the house now." And what is the prophecy of Zechariah? Not by might, not by power, 
but by my spirit, says the Lord. The spirit of the Lord. Ask God today this morning and say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can, what? Agonize. Strive. Strive. Okay? Agonize and strive. How do we strive? According to His work, which works in me mightily. So we looked at four aspects. First, strive to enter through the narrow gate. Second, strive for mastery. Third, strive for others. Fourth, strive through His might. Which works in humanity. That is, it's impossible for us to do in our own strength. And who do you rely upon? The power of the Holy Spirit. So that He can empower us to agonize. So what should we do? Ask. That's what we do. Ask. And you will receive. What? Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. How do we ask? By receiving the word by faith. How do we ask? By speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs of worship. So that we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. With His might. Not in our own strength. After that, after a while, all our thing will be dus. We will not be. It is a long obedience in one single direction. Right? Continuously walk in His ways. Let's look at that last verse, Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29, and we will stop. Colossians chapter 1, verses 28 and 29. Okay. Him we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ Jesus. To this end I also labor, agonize according to his working, which works in me mightily. This is his working, not my own. So what do I do? Surrender. Surrender myself. Every day. That is the reason why it's called, it's called laboring to enter into his rest. And they could not enter into the rest because of unbelief. Let us not shorten his hand in our lives through unbelief. Let us believe. Lord, you are able to do exceedingly abundantly more than even I can even ask or think. Okay. Let our faith increase. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just want to thank you. We praise you. We worship you, Father. We give you glory. We give you honor. Lord, we cannot go to heaven in an easy chair looking for people who labor. Who labor in love. Who will be have the works of faith, who will have the patience of hope. Grant us grace to that and we pray. That we will truly, you will find among us people who will strive. Strive to enter through the narrow way. Strive for mastery. Strive for others. And strive by the working and the power of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Quicken us, O Lord. Enable us not to become lazy and slothful. 
in these last days. Grant us grace to that and we pray. We thank you, we praise you. For in Jesus' mighty name, Amen.